All right. Thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network, where the purpose of the podcast is to make me money. And I always say that because we're not hypocritical or spinning a narrative. I think a lot of, not I don't think, I think I, I know a lot of confusion out there is because there's hypocrisy and people, I think it's the same people that fight at uh, Little League Baseball games, that their kids' team is the best team, and they're going to fight everybody, they're going to fight the umpire. There's a lot of hypocrisy going along, right? Uh, t- ball players say, oh, I went to the city. Oh, it's not for the money. It's because of the universe led me there. It's because I'm doing it for the people. No, 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 no. You're doing it for the money, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're the smartest, toughest person in the room you are in the wrong room so uh, we're going to go through a few things here first we're going to go something that one of the other podcasts the main value that we provide is giving you all sides of the story right not a provincial my team is right so whatever my team says whatever the union says whatever my party head says, and that's right. No, no, no. We're going to look at it from all the angles because you're not getting it from all the angles. So to that end, brought somebody smarter, tougher than I am. All his kids are successful. All his businesses are successful. He's been married for a hundred (laughs) years. Mary Jane, right? He'll say, yes, he married up. Thank you for joining us and helping us make sense of horse racing, true crime, today's Bobby Bathard, and we'll get into the narrative, the narrative of the podcast from the beginning as we tie everything into a bow, into a great podcast story that's increasing in popularity every week. My first and easy, thank you. Yes, thank you, Joshua. I haven't been married 100 years. It'll be 40 on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, congratulations to you and Mary Jane. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yes, the big 4 uh, A point you made earlier, I like the word that you use, and there's a lot of hypocrisy, or we can call it narrative. Somebody wants to spin something to make it look like that's the truth and only the truth. And I find this to be true, regardless of the color of your skin, your religious beliefs, your sexual orientation, there's a lot of things you can talk about. You can disagree. Well, today, Josh, people cannot agree to disagree and they can't disagree agreeably they have to call you names they have to throw flames they have to accuse and i think in america today we're missing the ability for like you and i to disagree if i disagree with you doesn't mean i don't love you i don't respect you appreciate you doesn't mean i think you're stupid doesn't none of that and unfortunately these narratives get just avalanched on us and all of a sudden people oh they get in front of a tv camera they forget their brains they forget their name and what we try to do for our listing and viewing audiences is to say look here's two guys talking about some issues you can agree you can disagree you can yell at your screen don't throw anything at it you can disagree with us or agree and if you want to comment great we'd like to hear what you think but we're going to have this discussion about agreeing to disagree agreeably and that's part of coaching that's part of training that's part of maturity i think don't you no and uh, we're the luck. We have the luxury now of being old. Sure. You and I can disagree. We can. 
we can yell at each other, you know, we can even call each other names, but we're not taking it personally. Uh, it's not that we hate each other. It's just that right. we have a, a difference of opinion. Of opinion. Okay? And what we bring to the table, right, as a podcast and as really reporting, we have to do citizen reporting now because mm -hmm. journalism, it's not even journalism anymore, it's really bad. You have either MSNBC, CNN to the far left, or you have Newsmax, OEN, Fox to the far right, right? The right can't admit, and well, let me hear your opinion on this. The right can't admit that, you know, Chauvin was wrong. Chauvin? Six minutes, Chauvin, right? Yeah, Chauvin, Chauvin, Chauvin was yeah. wrong. Yeah. After he had uh, George Floyd, right? First, it started off with putting a gun in George Floyd's face. He was high as a kite, right? On meth, on fentanyl, all these things. And really, he was mischarged. Shouldn't have gotten like a DWI because he shouldn't have been behind the wheel of a car. But they put a gun to his face and they start screaming at him. So they're traumatizing this guy that's high. So let's fast forward to six minutes. He has his knee on his neck. He's dying, right? And uh, while I was watching the trial, the officer's name was Lane. Lane comes over to Chauvin and says, hey, why don't you turn him over to the side? Chauvin's like, no, I'm going to keep him here. So we, another minute passed, seven. King comes over and King says, hey, let me check his pulse. Chauvin's like, no. Another minute passes. We're at the eight minutes. King says, no, nah, I got to check his pulse. So King checks his pulse and tells Chauvin, hey, maybe you want to take the knee off this guy's neck because he doesn't have a pulse. Yeah, Paul. Right? Right. And what is Chauvin says, no. So for another minute and 32 seconds, he keeps the knee on Floyd's neck. He doesn't have a pulse. 99% uh, chance the guy's already dead. The guy's already dead and you still keep the yeah. knee on his yeah. neck. And you know that people are filming you, right? So Fox News, OEN, all these people are justifying this, right? Now let's look at the other side. You have this girl in Columbus, Ohio. Again, bad reporting, not telling you the whole story. This girl was not at home. She was in a group home. Group home. Right. After I finished talking narrative about her and a little bit about Dante Wright, Coach Mike, let me know what you think, okay? Sure. She is a linebacker. She rushes yeah. through the other girl, and a cop has to make a decision. Who does he save? The girl with the knife. It looked like a butcher knife, but it wasn't. It was a big, huge knife she had. Yeah. Who do you let live? The girl in the pink or the linebacker, right? He shoots and kills the linebacker. Yeah. And the left is saying, oh, my God. And then the left, CNN, MSNBC, puts the mom on there, right? And Anna, my wife, who's I married up to, psychotherapist, she's like, why is she talking? She's in a group home. That means that the mom did something. I'm like, the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. So I'm not going to judge the mom. But... Let's, let's, let's look at the facts like a journalist, like we all do for horse racing, true crime, and I'll reset where we are with that. But as a reporter, what you do, what you say is that 
girl with, I'm going to say it, right? Severe anger issues because she was taking a knife and she was going to kill the girl in pink. And when the cops arrived, she made the same mistake Chauvin made. She did not stop. She continued, right? She got shot. She got killed. Dante Wright. I went through this recently. I had expired tags before the pandemic. I had no excuse for it. Mm. I sent in the payment for it. And I was going to go out to see a rather wealthy client. And my wife said, no, you got life insurance license. You got securities license. Mm -hmm. You get stopped by the police, right? Uh, Hey, and she said, yeah, the the cops here in Orange County, they'll pull you out, they'll shoot you. So so don't go out there with expired tax. What did I do, right? Now I'm older, wiser. I stayed home and had a Zoom meeting. Now I was ahead of the game. I had a Zoom meeting with a client. So I did not go out with expired tax. Dante Wright did. But the problem with Dante Wright is that he did not stop. They pull him out of the car, right? He jumps back in the car and starts driving a 2,000-pound weapon. He gets shot, and he dies. He did not stop. In the left, MSNBC, uh, CNN, they're not telling you the whole story now the mom's crying right but why didn't she pay his tags so he doesn't have that problem while he's out and then we talked about this the beginning of the podcast because this is a true crime horse racing podcast and the reason we're bringing out these points is that there's two sides to every story Mm -hmm. even though these guys are spiking the horses doesn't mean they don't love the horse it's a lot more complicated than that. What are your thoughts, Mike Christianese? Well, first of all, thank you for unpacking some of that uh, logically and rationally, which apparently in today's world, you're not allowed to do things. You're either emotional <laughs> or you're some right-wing nut job or you're some left-wing loony. And it's like whatever happened to the conversation. So thank you for that. Um, I can recall certain times when my children were younger and they got in trouble, if you will. And dad had to step in and say, what happened? And all of a sudden you find out your children are telling stories. Can you believe it? My children would lie. Can you believe uh, it? I, right. it, was, it was a shocking, of course, that's what kids do. They, they want to protect themselves. People want to protect themselves. And so when you say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to be the arbiter here. Let's go talk to the other party because apparently something's not making sense. So you take your daughter or your son to the other party. You say, hey, I'm Mike. I'm the dad. Here's what I heard. I'm not sure if this is wrong or whatever. Can you help me? And then that other party would say, well, Mr. Mike, thank you for coming. Here's what really happened. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I look at my child and say, is that the truth? And in tears, because they know (laughs) they're going to be now. Yes, dad. Okay, thank you very much. Sorry to bother you. Go home, they get a spanking, they go to bed. Now, that's, that was not, I did not hate my children. I didn't spank them because I hated them. I think the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I spanked them because I wanted them to learn. You have to tell the truth. You have to tell the whole truth. That's why when they put you on a stand, you promise to tell the truth, hold truth, nothing but to help you God. Yes, 
if you don't, then that's perjury. Right. And I think what we have today is we have this uh, 22 second soundbite perjury, in my humble opinion. You get a 22 second soundbite, you show that on the screen, people's emotions just go wild. Black, white, yellow, brown, tall, short, fat, skinny, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Next thing you know, you've got everybody all stirred up. Nobody has, nobody can be the sane, rational person in the room. You and I are involved in a conversation and say, okay, time out, time out. Let everybody stop. Hold on, hold on. We need to just calm down the temperature. <laughs> Let's bring it down. And you have, you've seen this, I've seen this. People don't want to bring it down. They don't want to, they want to be ratcheted up. Well, at that point in time, you can't get to the truth. And that's why there's an old expression, time heals all wounds. I pray to God that's true, Josh, in America today. I pray we get to a place where we start talking to people again and listening and saying, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I apologize. I'm sorry. I have not heard an apology. Have you from anybody who said, well, yeah, I might have made a mistake. No, you did make a mistake. This guy Chauvin was a jerk. He's a clown. I don't care what color your skin is. He's a clown. Now, is ranting and raving and screaming and shouting going to get us racial and social justice? Probably not, unfortunately. Well, you got you got to, uh, you know, Kavanaugh said, and he he doesn't even do it either. But a good judge, good person, you call balls and, and strikes. Food. You call it as you see it. And just because the union tells you to do this, yeah. or because there's an R behind somebody's name or because there's a D behind somebody's name, you're blindly going yeah. to go with the situation, right? right? You have to do your own, you see the mom crying, screaming, right? Mm-hmm. That girl didn't live with her. Why? Well, it's none of your business, fine. Report the fact that this crying mom and uh, Anna made a, another good point. The ant. The ant was screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So Anna has dealt with these situations. And a person like Anna gets to the anger issues first day. First so day. you have three culprits, right? In the linebacker. I call her a linebacker. She was huge. She knocked the other girl over. She yeah. Was ready yeah. to stab the other girl, right? Yeah. Can't blame the cop. For killing her, really, All right? Because uh, she, already sixteen years old, had two strikes, and she's ready for that three strikes in life. Mm. Trauma, severe trauma. That that you and I on my Twitter feed. Go check uh, Motivation Monday. I went through the five steps you take for change. Right, pre-contemplation, contemplation. All right, uh, planning action and maintenance and all of those are very rigorous torturous discipline you're contemplating contemplating you're talking about humiliation you're talking about all these feelings that make you scream and act like that girl but you do it in a room by yourself you don't do it with a knife trying to kill somebody else because the aunt was yelling and screaming and demanding right Mm -hmm. once the mom can't take care of her. remember she's in a group home mm-hmm. so in a way she's failed by three people well more than three people but let's talk about three people right away that failed her, right number one's the mom she couldn't be with the mom she had to be the group home then uh child protective services the government looks for a next of kin the aunt 
what the, okay so what did the mom do and what's the mom's status that she can't take care of this girl who got shot and killed right mm-hmm. number two the aunt what's wrong with the aunt what did the aunt do i'm not going to judge her but what did she do is she a criminal is she dealing drugs what is she prostitute what is she doing the aunt who's now yelling and screaming all right that's what the reporter needs. If obviously, if you and I are there, that's the question we're at. Oh, thank you, ma'am. I, I appreciate your thought. Yeah. What was the reason that she was at the group home and not your house? Yes, yeah. that's reporting. A fair that's question. Both sides of the story. We're not judging her. We're getting because now someone's like, "Oh, you started that joke. You started that story, and you stopped. Now you're going to have to tell me, right? Because you started the story." You started the story, you're putting all these demands on the police, you're putting all these demands on us, you're, you're bringing me into it, right? Disturbing my peace with your rant here, crying, right? And everybody owes you. So everybody owes you. What was the reason that since she couldn't live with the mom, she's not now living with you? Third person at fall. Let me listen to you before we do our recap of horse racing true crime. But uh, this is very important. Uh, third person that failed was the therapist in the management of the group home. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about putting de escalation on the cops? The people running the group home and this is a big problem in southern california this is a big problem in escondido where my person easy lives so it's very interesting and you're you have a group home you have a drug home in your nice community anna again being the expert i ask her well should a community have a group home a drug home a crisis house that jim desmond talked about yeah. oh we need to have crisis houses done that should we have them in a nice community? What's the difference? She says it's all the management. If you have clear rules, if you have good psychotherapy, yes. If you don't, absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. people are going to come out and do crimes. So this group home did not have a good therapist. Mm-hmm. If you have a girl wielding it, because how, how did she even get the knife? How did she even have the access to the knife? What kind of supervision? inside the home why was these rivalries allowed to escalate what was in their intervision where the girls are hugging each other instead of trying to kill each other how did she get access to a knife why didn't you know what was going on right so you have three people that fail the mom she can't live with the mom she can't live with the aunt Mm -hmm. and then at the group home she's at there was bad management structure What's your thoughts, Coach Mike? Josh, you just you just did the reporting. I haven't heard any of that on any of the <laughs> Exactly. That's why the podcast is so good and why we're growing. We're giving people information you cannot get anywhere else, my people. That's true. The the situation is Escondido. So the police see this guy with this pole in his hand walking right. down the street, smashing on whatever he's smashing on. They say, hey, stop. Hey, stop. Does he stop, Josh? You said it earlier. No, he keeps going. Another cop comes up. Hey, you can't do that. Smashing different windows and smashing 
parking meters in cars. Finally, they stopped. I, I forget how many times he said to stop. And then eventually they, they shot him. Okay. I, I don't know that that's the answer, but you can't go around smashing someone's property. Then the they guy said, that though was white. Well, he was homeless. Now all of a sudden he's homeless. So that's different. Now, now he's exonerated. He's homeless. Like that doesn't elevate your status in my book. <laughs> if you're homeless, you shouldn't be breaking things. You should be thanking God you're alive and have a place to hang out. And now we, you're at a city council meeting in, in Sendido and they're deciding whether to have a group home or not. What are you saying? <laughs> but saying it, hey, who, who is managing the group home? Uh, exactly. Are there rules here? Rule exactly. number one, you can't have access to the knives. Yes. Yes. And here's another thing. When it becomes governmental now, this is, a, this is now the big picture, the big government. We'll take care of it. Thank you, private citizen. The government will now take care of it. Well, what, what does that mean, Josh? I mean, Anna is very qualified and she's highly uh, in touch with the, the anger issue immediately. She gets to the root. She lays the axe to the root quickly. Some of these programs, they never ever even talk about it because you don't want to offend them. You don't want to put the Wait, the reason they're in this home is they can't function as a citizen outside. They don't have a dad or mom. They don't have an aunt or uncle. They're in a group home and now they want to kill somebody. I'd say they have deep seated anger issues, wouldn't you? And someone has to say, why are you angry? Well, it's, it's unresolved trauma, right? And uh, yeah. it's horse racing, true crime. Uh, I'd say from what I'm hearing from Anna, from people in jail, we, uh, people out of jail, uh, what, what they report is that 80% of crime are people that have unresolved trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously this girl had a lot of trauma unresolved. Yeah. She was failed by a lot of people. She was failed by a lot of people not doing the basics of their job, right? And, you know, number one is you do not let patients have access to knives. And then B, uh, you have to be listening. You have to be listening what's going on with the girls so you yeah. don't kill each other. I mean, it's funny how we say things like that. People are oh, extreme now, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. You have to listen because these girls will kill each other and try to kill each other. And someone's going to end up dead if you're not paying attention to their disputes, their thoughts, their feelings. And somebody isn't really giving them uh, good uh, therapy. And, and, and we'll move on right after this. But you touched on a point that when I was studying the homeless, uh, process with Dr. Gardner. People should listen to those podcasts. Yeah. Uh, one of the big flaws in the homeless problem, uh, we should have gotten in it with uh, Desmond, yeah. is that self-reporting should be eliminated. It's one of the stupidest uh, things yeah. in government data collection is people self-diagnosing themselves and self <laughs> it's, it's common sense right and common sense is That's information okay. that you don't need a degree to process or to get right right so you don't need a college degree or anything any specialized knowledge to know that if somebody is crazy or somebody has a mental health issue they should not self-report
I think the one thing that's missing in this equation, you're, you're all around it, Josh, is we're not giving people hope. There's no, this young girl, God bless her, she had no hope. She had, I don't know what happened with the father, didn't hear anything about the dad. I'm not blaming them. I'm not blaming the family unit, but the dad and mom, I think you have to have a mom and dad to raise kids today. I, I'm just, that's the way I was taught when I was born and raised. And that's the biblical model I followed. Now, can there be variations in that? Absolutely. Can we have flexibility in that? Sure. But you have to give people, there's a book out called Boundaries. When to say yes, when to say no, how to get control of your life. What does that mean? Gosh, a boundary. A boundary says you can't go to this drawer, honey, pull off this knife and go chase him and try to kill him. That's wrong. And people say, well, Mike, there's no such thing as good or bad, right or wrong. Stop. Time out. There, yes, there is. You're incorrect. There is right and wrong, good or bad. And this poor gal, you call her the linebacker, she was, she was a big girl. And with a knife charging at somebody, she's going to kill someone. That's inevitable. I'm right. sorry. He wasn't going to stop in mid-stab and go, oh, oh, wait a minute. I just had a conscious thought. I shouldn't do this. No, she was going to plunge her. Why? That murder, that death would be a release of that anger, that unresolved trauma in her. And now she's really going to be in trouble. And, and that's the other thing, right? You and I being in business for so long uh, deals with clothes, right? I can guarantee you and I most likely would have talked her out of it. What but, is Right. Her mom, her mom didn't talk her out of it, didn't communicate to her that there's better ways of resolving this dispute. Her aunt didn't. Those are questions that the reporters needed to ask, needed to ask for us, for me, for you. What happened then when CPS came to you and said, hey, let's put her in your home, mom? She couldn't. She was over there in the group home. Aunt. Oh, okay, yes. I hear you about the cop and I hear you about all this entitlement and everybody else's problem. When it came to you, what happened when they told you that she couldn't live with a mom and that she needed to live with you? Why was she not in your home? Why was she in the group home? Mm -hmm. And then see the group home people. When this girl got here, uh, what's the therapy she got? What's the communication she had? And what was the monitoring system you had to keep these girls away from knives and weapons? Yeah, right? fair questions. They're all fair questions. It's just like to transition over to horse racing to crimes. You ask people that are horse trainers and people that are around horses, do you love horses? 99.999% of the time, absolutely, I love them, okay? So as you get more involved in the horse racing industry, and you start getting some fame or fortune or a reputation. You make a few bucks. You win a race. You win a big one. You win the Kentucky Derby or you win the Preakness or the Belmont. And all of a sudden you get money. Next thing you know, your love of horses now becomes more idol worship. You worship right. them. This is revenue, baby. This is money coming in the house. And somebody says to Bob Baffert others, you know, Bob, there's these drugs they can't be detected. If we give the horses this performance enhancing drug, you can't find out. And Bob Baffert says, really? Well, let's try it. Next thing you know, the horse wins a race by four lengths. Well, two years later, the horse dies. Does, does Baffert, you think Baffert stopped loving horses? No. Yeah. I think he got, he, his uh, vision got blurred. Don't you, Josh? I think his judgment got blurred. And all of a right, sudden, right. 
there's a pattern that starts emerging. You know, let's let's dope the horse, let's win the race, make the money. Oh, he's going to die in three years. That's that's collateral damage. And you and I say, no, no, that that's not the word collateral damage. You're killing horses. Right. And uh, this podcast obviously is multidimensional. It's not just about one thing, right? People are like, oh, it's not about a horse race. Of course it's about a horse race. We're getting down to the roots, to the foundation of horse racing and the horse races yeah. until you get to the specifics. We're giving you a full narrative so you understand your surroundings and you do not get blindsided by whatever in your life. So this is not just one thing. We can walk and we can chew gum at the same time, but we're not two-dimensional characters. We're three-dimensional characters. That means we have emotions, disagreements. And uh, between uh, Coach and I, between lawyers and stuff, we probably won like 50 lawsuits. So we know about timelines. Mm -hmm. We know about business. And in business, there's no such thing as an insignificant detail. Mm -hmm. You say, wow, true crime. And really, the events, current events, really put in light the importance of understanding crime, understanding true crime, uh, what we went through, what's unethical, what's ethical, what has enforcement mechanisms, what doesn't have enforcement mechanisms, what's legal, what's illegal, and that justice and the law are distant cousins at best we'll get into this with bob baffert so what i'm going to do is uh we started with mike gill and mike gill talked about penn national win that owns barstool sports and why you don't get bets from the casino and he talked about he's a horse owner listen to that podcast as he details Mm -hmm. uh you know the judges are corrupt how the horse racing boards are corrupt then we went to Jason Service and George Navarro, two trainers who, again, we talked about George Floyd, this black girl, uh, especially uh, Dwayne, whatever his name is in, uh, in Minnesota. Dwayne Wright, is it? I think so. Yeah, Dwayne Wright, right? And we talked about Jason. Dwayne Wright made the same mistake Jason Service made, made the same mistake George Navarro made, right? Basics in crime. And a great song was Biggie, uh, The Ten Crack Commandments, right? We'll play it one time. But one of the keys to avoid crime that I learned when I was in the hood, right? Got different era. My mom really didn't know what was going on. I think she probably made a different decision and she knew what was going on. But at 18, I was kicked out of the house. You're on your own. And I lived in the hood until my mid-20s where I made enough money to go live in the suburbs, go live in a nice place. Don't commit two crimes at the same time. Right. Don't commit, don't have expired tags and warrants out at the same time and then start running from the police. Don't do that. Mr. Wright was not the first person to do that. And Jason yeah. Service did that. And George Navarro did that. They took a spike horse to Saudi Arabia and he got caught up with the king, right? So mm-hmm. we went into details in those podcasts. And then we detail 
the possible murder of the, the committed by the Stronich family. And the Stronich family are worth $3 billion. And they own all these horses and where? Santa Anita. Yeah. Bob, Baff, Bob Baffert knows the Stronich family. Uh, and then the billionaires in their neighborhood end up dead in Canada. Now in Canada, right? Just like England, the cops do not carry guns. So this billionaire family in the neighborhood of the Stronich family ends up dead. Yeah. Remember the Stronich family, a vertical integration, right? So mm -hmm. Apple, the biggest co uh, company in the world. And when you evaluate a stock, we look at valuations. I am an expert in value. What makes me an expert in valuation? That I've gotten paid a lot of money to evaluate a company. And they've taken my findings to a court and the judge looked at my qualifications and what happened and it went through and I got paid for it. Now, before getting paid for it, I have a master's degree in business and I have a master's degree in business science. And I took an $8,000 investment in a restaurant in Pinellas Park and they did my own evaluation and sold it for 600 grand. That was that's what makes me an expert in valuation. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. So the Stronich family, when you evaluate a company, you look at vertical integration. Apple is a vertical integrated company. That means you control everything. So Stronich family controls X bet. So when you place a bet, they get what's been called the juice. And you can look at all our literature, go on the website, ecosystems, business concierge. Read the articles and you will know what juice is. They own six racetracks around the country. And one of our favorite places, Marion County. I was doing research on one of the guys that bankrolled going to the Capitol and starting a riot. He talked about Marion County. I'm like, oh, Marion County, it's a lively place, right? Home of the Bad Boys Farm, John Gotti. Right, right. So the Stronish family owns a racetrack and a horse farm. They own six horse farms around the country. So they own Santa Anita, they own Los Alamitos, and other racetracks around the country. And they also own horse farms. So they own the horses that run in the races. They own the mechanism you use to place bets either online or at the track. And they own the racetrack and the horses. That's vertical integrated in the people that end up dead in Canada, in their neighborhood, billionaires. It's a topic that we'll discuss today in detail with Bob Baffert. It's a pharmaceutical company, they end up dead. Did this family have pharmaceutical that were spiking horses that are ending up dead in Canada? And remember this family uh, are friends with who? The Clintons, right? Clinton's foundation. George Soros and Austria, uh, they're fixing political races in Austria, in Austria the same way they, pick, they fix horse races. So another theme of the podcast with myself, uh, when we get into Trump nations, detailing uh, Trump voters and people who rush the Capitol, is that the truth is much more bizarre and intertwined in fiction. Yeah. So we, before we get into Bob Baffert, I'm going to read a little bit about Bob Baffert. Then you tell us the whole Baffert story. I'll fill it in. And then we'll talk a little bit about the, these boards and we'll close it up. 
last week we talked about the races in Italy, how the races were fixing Italy by the mafia. So you say, oh, the mafia this, the mafia that. This is all uh, published. So Mary County, Bad Boys Farms, the Cambino family. Last podcast, we talked about how horse races are fixed by the mafia in Italy, right? The Sicilian originators of the mafia, how they're fixing races in published reports in people uh, getting arrested in public trials of mobsters fixing horse races, yeah. right? So before I do my little, uh, that, that um, half the story, Wikipedia, uh, Bob Baffert, what are your thoughts as uh, this, this it's a hell of a podcast, I must say, <laughs> because we hit on all levels, right? And we use it to get insight into humanity as well as uh, mm-hmm. my person easy and I have a combined 120 years of life experience to bestow. What are your thoughts, Mike Christine? Well, one of the one of the comments you made was that the uh, Carnage family has a vertically integrated uh, business structure. Right. I would call it a closed loop slot machine system. (laughs) (laughs) They 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 own and breed the horses. They breed the horses. They have the trainers. They have performance enhancing drugs. They have the horse racing tracks. Right. They have betting software. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I didn't fall off a turnip truck yesterday coming through Fresno, but it seems like guys like you and me would not have a very good chance of winning too often there unless we were just really, really, really smart or really, really, really lucky, or we knew somebody on the inside, at which time our lives could be in danger. And then the the Canada, where the cops don't carry guns, we're very shocked that these billionaires that own a yeah. pharmaceutical yeah. conglomerate die. That kind of scrambles things where somebody with money can come in, pay some people off, and now suddenly they, they own all these pharmaceutical uh, structures and distribution yeah. and manufacturing of pharmaceuticals for what you and I would speculate <laughs> would be the these horses. Yeah, here's one, thing for here's one thing I thought about too. Let's say, for example, these people in the pharmaceutical side of it, the performance enhancing drugs, <laughs> necessarily were not traceable, okay? They love the horses too, okay? Oh, yeah, they love the horses too, right? <laughs> tongue in cheek. I love the horses. So, somebody that worked for them might have had some kind of a moral uh, objection saying, I don't think this is right. And they said, what, what, what's not right? We're making, you know, $27 million a year. What's, what's wrong with that? You want to get paid? You, yeah. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to get paid? You want to be, no. you want to be ethically and morally correct? Or do you want to get paid? Let me know. You want to live? Shut up. I mean, I actually, I think that's what happened. Somebody probably went to the <laughs> Toronto Gazette or whatever the paper is up there. Yeah, I don't think this is right. The word got out and the, the strategists or Clintons or whomever said, we got to get rid of all of them. So they just killed the owner. <laughs> okay. I, you know, it, I consulted with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Clinton I, Foundation. I'm not laughing at it because it's so, it's so horrific, but it's like, that's, that's standard operating procedure for some of these people, big, big, big money people, big power and authority people. They, 
they don't listen to guys like you and they don't listen to the law they buy judges and you know in the godfather the <laughs> right movie, right you know the, the all the other mafia dons are complaining don corleone owns all the judges they're in his pocket well he's a good businessman <laughs> right he got ahead right he owned more judges than they did it's not Pan right and mike gill talked about pinnation Right. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and the judges. Well, where's the FBI? The FBI ah. is on vacation. They're in the Bahamas right now on a either in a cruise, <laughs> illegal cruise where they have the whole boat or on a beach somewhere in Fiji. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's get to Bob Baffert, right? Who is Bob Baffert? And why do we talk about him a lot? And to be honest, I think Bob Baffert, the way he presents himself, uh, is very entertaining. Because you know, there's so many layers behind what's going on. And in the sport of kings, right? That we yep. had a king die, that guy owns 40% of the horses, and he owns several horse farms in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, where the Kentucky Derby is, the bluegrass. Kentucky Derby, and next week we're going to have a friend of ours, like uh, Chris Christie would say. Uh, yeah, we'll meet him. Uh, Mike Pristinisi will meet him. He'll be a friend of Mike Pristinisi's. We're all good, right? And, uh, and that's the way it is uh, because we're regular guys, and regular guys are regular guys, right? And friends of ours, and he'll break down the Kentucky Derby for us. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We're Chrysler. Yeah. All right. So, Bob Baff. We'll tell you who Bob Baff. This is the Bob Baffert episode. If we recap where we're at now with horse racing, true crime, as we get into the details, set the foundation of true crime, how crime happens, right? And then we'll integrate it to an infinite amount of stories that you'll learn about life. Uh, Bob Baffert grew up in Nobles, Arizona, where his and his family raised cattle and chicken. And when he was 10, his father purchased quarter horses and he practiced racing them on a dirt uh, track. In his teens, he worked as a jockey for $100 a day in form of quarter horse races on the outskirts of, of Nogales. He moved from there to racing legalized tracks and scoring his first victory at age 17, 1970, a year before I was born. Baffert graduated from the University of Arizona's racetrack industry program with a bachelor's degree, got married for the first time. So one thing I want to iterate this very important to the story, Bob Baffert has been married four times. And I'll tell you the story about credit granting when I learned a lot about uh, American culture, all right? Because I think it's important too, because part of the podcast is part of the reason people got mad at because we're losing American culture. We're losing. So let's get into American culture, what it is and what it does. Why you want to maybe uh, re take the bad out and keep the good. All right. Mm -hmm. At the age of 20, Baffert had developed a reputation as a trainer and was hired by other trainer to run their stables, stables of horses. I guess I forgot. We talked about Gene Klein. What yep. killed Gene Klein and what should have kept him alive and about professional football and about uh, 
part of the money structure in people that own stables and people that own horses and own horse farms is Gene Klein, who was in the episode before the last one. It's a major character in that episode. Baffert moved to California where he worked at Los Alamitos Racecourse, owned by who? Who owns Los Alamitos? The Stronich family. family, He knows them from a long time. Yeah. And the Stronich family is worth $3 billion. And Bob Baffert knows them. He trains their thoroughbreds. So Bob Baffert owns the thoroughbreds of the Stronich family. They don't expect that what you bet on owns horse farms. And they own six uh, racetracks, Los Alaminos, and Santa Anita. Somebody sent me a message. Hey, uh, talk more about horse racing. You can get more (laughs) intricate about horse racing than what we've had on this podcast and what I'm telling you right now. That's as deep as you get, but we'll get even deeper, right? Uh, He got his first break in 1992. Right, So this is 2001. That's 29 years ago when he won his first Breeders' Cup race with 30 slews. He became the leading money-winning trainer in the United States four times. So in your research of Bob Baffert, what, what do you have to add to that? Well, it's nice when you read a Wikipedia scrubbed, cleansed <laughs> of all that Bob Baffert. I mean, next to Gandhi, this guy is pretty amazing, right? Right. About his life. First thing you realize at a very age, he got a horse when he was 10 from his dad. He loved the horses at 10, 11, 12, 13. He's learning how to take care of horses. He's probably learning how to walk them, how to feed them, how to train them, quote unquote. So by the time he's 16, 17 years old, he's not only a trainer, he's a jockey and a race. Now, stop right there. Okay, stop right there. He is now a jockey who has won a race. The horses were trained by Baffert. They were fed by him, cleansed by him, taken care of him. There was no drugs. He did this on his own. Right. Him and the horse won the race, okay? Okay, stop right there. Him and the horse won the race. He says, oh, I think I have a talent or a gift for this. All of a sudden, people realized, hey, this guy Baffert is a good trainer. Let's hire him. So it says some other trainers hired him. Others means more than one, correct, Josh? So right, two, correct. three, four different horse farms have this young buck who's a winning hockey and this really gifted trainer helping them with their horses. So as you read this story, you sense that this guy understands horses, knows horses, has a love for them, knows how to get them to perform again with no drugs. Okay, there's no right. drugs. There's no performance any drugs it's just feed it's just exercise it's workout it's you know cool them down walk them and take care of them and so what's funny to me and to our listeners and viewers who say tell us more about horse racing we will um you're listening to who i think was truly a gift from god that he has this ability to train these horses so to watch him progress through the years and eventually move from nogales over to I think he moves over to Los Alamitos at a fairly young age. And again, he starts winning races. And then at some point in time down the road, I think in 1996, he trains a three-year-old Colt and 
it ends up uh, running second in the community. Okay. Now, pretty good from a kid from Nogales, Arizona. If you've ever been there, it ain't much. So now <laughs> he's play second in K Kentucky Derby. Wow, this is a gifting. This is a talent, right? Right. So then what goes on, and you're going to read more, but then what goes on, he ends up, I think, at some point in time, the horse that wins the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness and ends up now, he's close to winning the Triple Crown. Okay. Back yeah. Now I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Sure. Preface this by the fact, right, and the question I'll ask you is, He's been married and divorced four times, had kids yeah. with each woman. What happens, especially financially? So I'm going to read this uh, from uh, the Stacks Reader, uh, what people don't want to say about Bob Bassett. The man mm -hmm. is often accused of being inordinary cocky. He's had a lot of success, right? And people who have a lot of success, I remember when I had my restaurant, I was going, well, in this independently wealthy guy. That's why you don't judge a book by its cover because he came in with a Confederate flag belt buck. He would come in and he would pay for triple whatever was on the menu and would give like a hundred bucks to all the staff and everybody there. So it was <laughs> the least racist guy you would ever think of, but he had a Confederate flag buck. He told me, Josh, independently <laughs> wealthy guy, own dealerships and everything. He's like, Josh, Josh, you're doing well. You think you're successful. You will not know whether you're successful or not until you get sued. Once people are suing you because they're jealous or this and that, mm -hmm. that's when you know you're successful. Mm -hmm. Almost like the podcast, when somebody's commenting <laughs> I want to hear more of this and that. I'm like, thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Regardless of more downloads each week, that's when you really know you're successful. So somebody's complaining about a free podcast. Now, the man is often being accused of being unordinately cocky, right? It could be jealousy. It could be the truth. Even irreverent. Irreverent. Yes. In vain to a fault. Married four times, right? But no one on the racetrack has a clear vision of how to get things done in Louisville, Kentucky. And on the first Saturday in May, right? First Saturday in May that we'll get to what's right. going on now. Does anyone have more manifest gifts as this horse whisperer? There's a good writer over here at the Stacks Reader. Yeah. Uh, engaging bright-eyed three-year-olds, right? And this is the time of year we get closer to horses and look at horses and Kentucky Derrick comes on. At the close of the last decade, and this is 1997 going into the 2000s. So this is like 23 years ago mm. when there was, was really good writing and full reporting <laughs> that we're doing now. So now it's on us to do the good writing, good reporting. I, I just published a really good article on valuation of college basketball, the $1.9 billion uh, Butler in the true valuation in sports. That's why this, this podcast is valuable. Uh, Baffert emerged as the hottest trainer in the game, right? This is 1997. Uh, a white main wizard of turf. So he's, you know, hey, this was 25 years ago. So these words are true today. 
as they were 25 years ago. His intuitive sense for picking out and buying potential champions. For who? The Stronich family, man. That's what we keep telling you. Often at fire sale prices. And his instinct for dividing how to make them run. Long, hard, fast, right? That's what these drugs and spikes of four already won the three Eclipse Awards, the sports Oscars, in a brief but spectacular run of six years from May 1997, right, to 2001, the Kentucky Derby, through transient uh, victory at Point Given in the Belmont Stakes 2001. And that's when he divorced Jill, his second wife. Uh, he twice won the richest race, Dubai World Cup. Remember, ah, Dubai. Mm. And their rival was the Saudi Cup, where maximum security. Because remember, Wall Street bets, people want to hit the home run. Maximum security. It ends up being a Bob Baffert horse, was bought for 12 thousand dollars and sold for 36 million dollars but tested dirty in the saudi cup but they allowed it to run in the kentucky derby when the kentucky derby how how does that happen right (laughs) right and we're talking about ethics we're talking about morality we're talking about legality we're talking about board members george floyd getting killed over a 20 dollar counterfeit Ah, look at this. Out risky competitive West Coast circuit at Del Mar in Santa Anita. Now, Del Mar is important because we'll be covering the Del Mar racing season 2021 in July. We'll be covering it in Santa Anita. And Santa Anita is near and dear to our hearts because Santa Anita is owned. Santa Anita is owned by the Stronich family that we're covering through the newspaper articles, and we'll do some own reporting. We probably will get a Stronage interview here. We might even get a Bob Baffert interview. Right. Wow. Bob Baffert uh, titles, right? And then, of course, we talk about terrible jealousy amongst his peers. And out of nowhere, I think last week, Wayne Lucas popped up, which would be a rival of him. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Baffert's triumphs. All right. Trump's. No trainer has suffered more grievously over Baffert's triumphs than his biggest rival, D. Wayne Lucas. Yeah. All right. What are your thoughts, Mike Rossini? Well, as soon as you mentioned maximum security, I don't know if our viewers and listeners know this, but I think it was a couple years back that one of the Kentucky Derby stewards had to disqualify maximum security. Why? Because he was crowding out other horses and she's watching them on the binoculars, turns to her other team members and said, well, what are we going to do? And they look at her and she says, I have to DQ him. And it was like, that was the most honest integrity oriented call I've heard in years. And you know what hit the fan when he got DQ'd. When Maximus Sierra DQ'd, I mean, it was worldwide news. 
you, the stewards said they, the, the court said they overreached their authority, but yet somebody read the law. Now, here's to your point, Josh. Somebody read the fine print and said, well, wait a minute. They have the final say-so on DQing horses, so they cannot be challenged or overruled. So, you know, again, at this time in his life, Baffert's a big shot, a little cocky, a little arrogant, been married, divorced three, four, five times, who knows, who cares? And when you get money and power and fame and you're on television, you're on TV, Josh. Right. Now, what they're doing we'll get into why, why it's relevant how many times. So when you have children, right, and you get divorced, what happens financially? Like persons. Well, depending on the lawyer. <laughs> the alimony and child support, okay? <laughs> well, this, this is what happens, right? And this is what's going on with Bob Baffert. I can say this just... From experience, right? I used to grant credit to high-risk people with high cash flow. And you're like, who are these? These are white doctors and lawyers who have high-end practice. And that's where I learned 1031 exchanges, right? 1031 exchanges, something every single person in the world should know, but it's only done by these people. And it's where... A uh, lawyer buys a house, a doctor buys a house, they buy two houses. One they rent out and one they live in. And they do a 1031 exchange. What does that mean? That means you buy one mansion and you trade it for the other mansion and you move. And while the regular Joe Blow Schmo who doesn't know tax mitigation pays capital gains taxes, they don't. Because one of those houses has cash flow as a business. And you're like, well, do they own the building? Yes, they own the building. Do they have the practice where the exchange happens? Nobody knows, nobody cares because there isn't enough IRS and enforcement guys to get there unless somebody rats somebody else out in either a mafia thing or a uh, divorce. Yeah. So what happens with these guys is that they have horrible credit. They can't buy anything. So they come into where I was working for and they say, Josh, you know, I'm making $3.5 million a year in my practice, but I have four kids with woman number one. I divorced her. I married the secretary. I have two kids with her and then I got tired of her. And then I have three kids with a third wife, right? Like Bob Batchelor. What happens? You have to, you're responsible for each kid until they're 18 you're paying for the house, you're paying for private school, you're praying for the kid, like Bob Bathory graduated from the University of Arizona, probably paying for his kid to go to Arizona. No, he wants to go to Penn State for 60 grand a year. Pride gets in the way. They pay it because they have $3.5 million a year, but they technically don't qualify for the Tesla. So I come in and I talk to the dealership and get them to be qualified for the Tesla. So this is happening to Bob Bathurst, that's why this happens. And let me know your thoughts. My person easy. Remember, we're combining it with what happened with maximum security, Jason Service, and yeah. uh, spiked horses and win races. Sure. Well, right. I mean, uh, yeah, let me, let me, so the people know exactly specifically what I'm talking about. Yeah. Hall of Fame trainer, Bob Baffert has been over ordered to serve a 15-day suspension um, before he's allowed to race 
And then before he needs to race again, we're going to give him a 15 day suspension in between the, his races in Arkansas yeah. uh, for two horses was, tested positive. But why was he given the 15 suspension? Because two of his horses tested positive for what they call, quote unquote, prohibited substances. <laughs> right. Well, what is that, Josh? Are you talking right. about performance drugs? So they traced him. So now all of a sudden in this whole scheme, somebody said, look, we got to find a way to trace these untraceable PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. And lo and behold, they did because now they're testing them saying, wait a minute, wait, something's wrong. There. That's why right. he got the 15 day suspension. Sorry. Well, we'll look at justify, right? So justify wins. Justify. So let me, let me run through this and then we'll pretty much close, right? Because we, we, okay. we got him about back. So Justify wins the Kentucky, wins the Triple Crown. It also tests dirty, right? Like Maxim Security one tested dirty. Now these two horses that he got suspended for, they tested dirty. Now let me ask you this, Mike Bristanisi. He's been suspended. Um, the board days, we got board members too, right? We got um, the, the Mile, independently wealthy guy, he said, what gives him mental strength, the fact that he's rich and he's made a lot of money. That's where his mental strength and resiliency comes from. We had Jim Desmond, uh, who just got done making $300,000, $400,000 a year as an airplane pilot. He, he's retiring to a $250,000 a year retirement and $350,000 on the San Diego Commission Board, right? Those are our board members. But the board members we're talking about here, the people killed to be on boards, are the California Racing Board, the Arkansas Racing Commission, and the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. All right. So, twofold question, Mike Persinisi. Justify maximum security. There's two horses in Arkansas. They've all tested for performing enhancing drug uh substances right mm -hmm. and i'll give you the quote from the kentucky board um these horses these other horses these this will be the third set of horses coach mm -hmm. these horses were uh for the kentucky oats tested dirty for benzonamine test you know and uh of course prize philly garmine it said, when something's under appeal, it's hard to consider it a violation. <laughs> That's been proven, and you can see the test results. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. So in our points, he's, in, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, being exonerated. <laughs> he's not exonerated because he's under appeal for results by a doctor certified of Tested dirty. He says, I know sometimes it's frustrating, but I got paid, right? He didn't say that. Uh, but that's all in the course of being fair. We got to be fair to him. We got to be fair to him. Right. And then uh, under the byline here in the Kentucky Court of Journal, Bob Boxer fined $1,500 disqualified from third place finish in the, in the Kentucky Oats. $1,500. Right? Remember, Maximum security was a $12,000 horse that sold for $36 million. Now, 
what is the common denominator in all these tests? Actually, four tests, right? Two things, coach. With all this money involved, are the board members in, let me see, what are these places called? They're called uh, the California Racing Board, the Arkansas Racing Board, and the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. With this much money involved, these uh, commissions where you don't get as much as Jim Desmond, 350 grand. You're getting $6,000 and you're getting a lot of free dinners, a lot of free food. Can these guys be bribed with this much money involved? And number two, Bob Baffert has said that he had no idea that any of these horses were being spiked. What are your thoughts on those two topics? He did not know any about this and that he's going to put more enforcement mechanisms in the farms. You know, you really, our listeners and viewers are going to laugh with me. You set me up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, remember, one of the themes of the podcast and journalism in general is that truth is much more stranger uh, than bizarre fiction. and humorous and oh, uh, crazy it is. It than is. fiction. It is. It's like, okay, so you asked the question about these boards. Okay, how do you get <laughs> bored? And, you know, to be honest, I need to research that because I don't even know what their qualifications are. Were they in the horsing industry? Were no, they- that's a podcast. That's yeah, a whole other podcast, right? Right, so right. Board members. Let's say that Lewis, I'll just call him Lewis, is a board member of the California Racing Board, okay? Who is Lewis? Well, Lewis makes, you know, $43,000 a year. He's a landscape contractor, and he is on the board, okay? Right, right. I'm just saying, it could be Mike. It could be Josh. It could be Wanda. It doesn't matter. So a guy making 43, 50 years on this board, he makes maybe a stipend of, let's say they pay him 7,500 a year on the board. Okay. Could he be bribed? <laughs> right. And we're talking about an industry, right? We're talking about specifics and we're talking about things we have links and some notes and you can research, right? Yeah. Maximum security was bought, sold for 36 million. Now, is there an incentive to give Lewis a cut along the way to execute the process. Remember, we read about Bob Baffert. He has a knack of getting dirt cheap horses and making him, right? But he's right. been married four times. I, I told you what happens when you get married and divorced, right. and then you have to pay for kids' private school and for them to go to Penn State. Is it worth it for Bob Baffert, right? And that's the second part of the question you haven't answered. <laughs> Is it logical reading the background that we read about Bob Baffert that he does not know what's going on in these horse farms owned by the Stronages and so forth. And right, twofold question is Lewis, right? Is it worth it to pay Lewis something? So there is an enforcement mechanism that stops maximum security from being a $12,000 horse into being a $36 million horse. So the answer to all the questions are, yes, it's, a, it's, it's an insurance policy. Again, we're in this closed loop system, right? So nobody from the outside really knows what goes on on the inside. That's why you have investigative journalists that say, well, let me ride along with you, Josh, for three months. And, and Josh is going, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. Let's do, you a, let's do you a one hour interview. I'll give you one hour. I won't give you three weeks because if you saw 
everything that went on, you'd report it, right? You'd say, this is all, it's all lies. So Lewis gets these little bonuses, these spiffs, these checks all the time. Lewis is riding in a, in a Tesla. He, yeah, now he's a Tesla, right? He normally has a Chevy or a Dodge. He's now got a Tesla. And the other thing is, when the decision... Does he love the horses? Of course Lewis loves the, oh, the horses. With, he loves horses as much as he loves a good steak or a good meal. So, you know, I mean, the, now when a decision comes up, they all look at each other and go, I want to live. I like the money I'm getting. I know what the law says, but let's just, we can make an exception or we'll waive. We'll You're waive. on the board. Are we going to suspend Bob Baffert? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to call up to, to, no, I'm not doing that. So then the other thing that happens is. It's under appeal. It's under appeal. How, how, how can you. Yeah, how can you generalize somebody when a doctor looks at something and says, "Hey, I don't know. It, this is what's in the horse." But you know, yeah. So another thing happens in this whole, and it is a milieu of comedy, a comedy of errors. You get someone like a let's just take a TV, a CBS, and they love Bobby Baffert, the white hair. Look, I look like Bob Baffert right today. I got the white hair going on. I'm sixty some years old, and I'm this Hall of Fame guy, and blah blah. Are they going to ask him an in-your-face question? It's never going to happen in my lifetime. Now, maybe after they've had five or six drinks together, four in the morning, and the guy looks at the gals, you know, you're not bad looking. Okay, that, that conversation could take place. But here's what happens. You and I, through the lens of television cameras, get what? We get fed. We get fed a picture. And everybody just says, well, it's on TV. It's got to be real, Mike. You know, you mean to tell me they would lie? No, TV wouldn't lie. People wouldn't lie. Of course they would. People kill for money. But, I mean, you and I can pull away from it because, you know, the closed deals, any deal, really. But for most deals, we've had to thread the needle. I mean, you say, what's thread the needle? Yeah. There's four people when you go into a company and you make a big deal. You have... Uh, your champion, the person that's pulling you in who's for you. You have two people who don't care. And then you have the CFO who's conspiring against you. So you have to thread the needle between these people and win an election three to four or sometimes four and oh fast before yeah. the person that hates you figures out a way to sabotage you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we can get Bob Bofford in and we can thread the needle. And we've been around a while. And he tells us because why? There's no enforcement mechanism, right? That's why the law and justice are distant cousins at best. That's true. And real enforcement mechanisms are based on uh, a lot of crazy things that you do not expect and politics about 80% of the time. Yeah. It's, it's you a said political decision. Now, did I get that deal in the company because I was the best vendor or the cheapest vendor? Or was I uh, instinctual about people that were teaching you in the pocket? Well, pocket. Horse racing, true crime. We're teaching you how to close deal in major corporations and make millions of dollars if you want. Right? And yeah. in the right situation because it's yeah. threading the needle between people. And man, Bob Bafford is a genius at threading the needle between the Stronish family. They could take him out at any second between the trainers, between the FBI. Remember, the FBI has been investigating all this. 
<laughs> but the FBI has information put people in jail for hundreds of years, but they don't because why? The FBI is also on the take. If you don't want to take it from me, take it from Mike Gill, who told you in the beginning of the podcast. We'll play it again next podcast, and we'll play an interview with Bob Bradford next podcast, where uh, or the podcast after it, after the Kentucky Derby. We give you the winners on the Kentucky, the big races. We're going to give you the winners. We're going to give you who to bet, how to bet the winners on the big races. Yeah, yeah. Um, not the Arkansas Oaks. Come on, there's so many things going on in the Arkansas Oaks. <laughs> So many things we don't even want to know about that's going on in the Arkansas. It's breaking down a bit uh, without ourselves, me in particular, knowing the foundation of it. And you're getting the foundation of true crime and its many elements, including murder, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's how you thread the needle. He's threading the needle between jockeys. He was a jockey once. Between mid-level horse owners they got george navarro in trouble between the fbi it has a case to put everybody in jail for 100 years and they don't because there is so much money involved the stronich family people talk about the illuminati the russians look at the stronich family they have really good connections between the clintons who um contribute hundred millions of dollars to presidential campaigns was the president the other one almost was president Clinton Foundation, billions of dollars, George Soros, and they own your friendly neighborhood track in Santa Anita and Los Alamitos, which Bob Baffert is threading the needle, married and divorced four times, and he's raising a nine-year-old kid. That all of us are fans of the, that nine-year-old kid of Bob Baffert. Yeah. And man, I think this is the best Bob Baffert reporting I've ever heard. I had never heard anybody give you the up and down on it and interwining it with horse racing, true crime, the foundation for the further stories, further murders, further battle between dynastic families report as podcast goes on. But we still got to get some nuts and bolts, you know, how the claiming works. Right. How to place a bet, win, play, show, combination tickets, so on. Yeah, we'll we'll get get into all of that. And uh, you had a podcast in there. I want to what 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 were you saying about that? I said, oh, that's a podcast. Well, we get talking about just to back up for a second. I want to thank the viewers or listeners who are commenting about, hey, get back to the horse racing through crime, because what they're doing is they're listening or watching, and they're saying this is interesting. But more than it's interesting, I can probably use this information in my business or with my employees or with a vendor or supplier. That's why we do these things. So people do get this broad uh, smattering, if you will, of a lot of different pots that we've got on the burners. And if people are listening and paying notes, uh, taking notes or paying attention, they're going to learn some things tonight they can use tomorrow. The other thing we had talked about was, (laughs) I mean, all, all of the payoffs, all the payola, all the little people, if you will, that are getting a spiff here or a spiff there or a regular, what are the winnings? For example, the Stronaches have the software for all the betting, right? So right. at the end of the day, let's say they made, let's just say they made $7 million in one day. Just say. Right. Does, does Lewis get, you know, uh, $4,000 of that? Well, probably or something well, like well, that. Well, Lewis is going to... Come on, a board member, you're drinking for free, you're in the club section, you're eating yeah. for free. 
getting free betting tickets here lewis here here's a ticket number right. four in the third just bet him to win really it, it, 21 to one yeah what 20 to one odds <laughs> the horse wins right so sitting next to the fbi agent yeah right right so i just to your point no no I'll, I'll listen to the podcast again and you know i'll get the nugget because i forgot what it was and i was like man that's a whole other podcast that we'll get into, oh, okay. uh, but we'll, we'll get a lot of stuff. So what are final words, Mike Christianista? So the final word for a viewer or listener is this. When you're dealing with somebody, and we've said this many times and we're going to repeat it, listen carefully, ask more questions, ask what I call Mr. Hand questions, who, what, when, where, why, how much, how many. When you start asking those questions, if you get answers, you move forward. If you don't, you ask yourself, why are I not, why am I dealing with a politician now? Why am I getting stonewalled? And that should help you to direct you as to maybe not pursue this business transaction. So this is really good learning of how to read people, how to understand if someone's telling you the truth or they're lying. Uh, and if you want to move forward in the business transaction with them or not. And most of the time people say yes when they should say no. A lot of times. No, in nuances and, and really getting into what a uh, independently wealthy attorney that I, that I had as a teacher said, you have to be able to argue both sides of the case okay. just as strong. Don't get all your information from Fox News, OEN, or Newsmax. Don't get all your information from MSNBC, CNN. Watch both. Yes. Be different kinds of newspaper. Talk to somebody with a different opinion as yourself. Do not take anything personally. And before you make an investment, before you make a decision, do your research first and get all sides of it. And just like the question we asked last podcast and probably asked all the podcasts, do they love the horses? Yes. But... They would rather have a home, rather have a wife, rather have their nine-year-old kid grow up right with private school than sometimes a safe horse or a horse that isn't spiked. And if you're going to spike a horse and it's going to be from 12,000 to 39 million, right? That's what they're going to do. What do we do? We don't make a decision on the morality, ethics, or legalness of it because none of it really matters. And there's nuances to that. It's not black and white the way they tell you on CNN and on Fox, it's not. There's nuances to it. And morality and ethics has nothing to do with it. It's political. The law and justice are different, are distant cousins at best. But we always close with Winston Churchill, right? You always, when you give, you always get back 10 times more. And you make a living from your labor, but you make your life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. I went off a long time ago. Who knows when I went off? It doesn't matter. You can get the information. 
If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. That's why this one don't cost $800 and that goes to work. And I don't know what that cost, I'm just shaking the work. That's why.